It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you see, now the sun is not here today. <laughs> so when the sun doesn't show up, you know, I hope it's not too gloomy. We have some really important things to talk about for sure. Listen to this, folks. Abraham Lincoln said, and I am quoting directly, he said, those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. Remember Abraham Lincoln. He struggled with, uh, you know, trying to free slavery from our country. Happened to be a Republican, by the way, folks. <laughs> but, but he was a good man, and he knew right from wrong. And he spent his political career trying to influence others to do the right thing. Now listen to this song from Wintley Phipps. Please grant us peace today and strengthen all who lack the faith to call on thee each day. Please keep us safe and free, watch over all who understand the need for liberty. Heal our land, heal our land, and guide us with thy hand. Keep us ever on the path of liberty. And help us understand that we must put our trust in Thee if we would be free. Heal our land. Please help us find our way, for in Thy Word we find our strength. If we look up each day, heal our and fill us with thy love, keep us upon the path of truth that comes from heaven above. Heal our land, heal our land, and guide us with thy hand. Keep us ever on the path of liberty. Heal our land, heal our land, and help us understand that we must put our trust in Thee if we would be free. Protect us by the power of Thy Keep us as one nation under God. Heal our land, heal our land, and guide us with thy hand. Keep us ever on the path of liberty. Heal our land, heal our land, and help us understand that we must put our trust in Thee. 
voice of uh, Whitley Phipps. Uh, he's a black American, and uh, he has a ministry. I believe it's in Louisiana, but I'm not sure, for uh, children, boys, that, you know, they, they need help, so on and so forth. But listen to the words of that song, Heal Our Land, and help us know that if that's to be the case, we've got to put our trust in thee. Now, listen, folks. Here is another friend of mine, uh, Pastor Vody Bachman, and he's a black preacher from Dallas, and he's talking about race. I heard Ken Ham from—he uh, came originally from Australia, you know, and then he has a creation research uh, museum up in the north part of the United States and that sort of thing. I heard Ken Ham's first time the lecture, One Race, One Blood— it's the human race and uh, human blood. And um, well, Vody Bachman has a fantastic short, very short message on this subject. I want to share it with you right now, and here it is. Now, these distinctions that matter are important because oftentimes we talk about distinctions and we talk about being distinct from one another in terms of our race. Race is actually a social construct. The concept of race is not a biblical concept. It's not a biblical idea. It is a constructed idea. You won't find the idea of races in the Bible unless you find it in the proper historical context where we see, number one, that we are all the race of Adam, amen? One race, one blood. We are all the race of Adam. There is less than a 0.2% genetic difference between any of us in this regard. In fact, we're not even different colors. Amen. Technically, from a genetic perspective, from a biochemistry perspective, we're all actually the same color. Our color comes from our melanin. We've all got melanin just to differing degrees. So it's not that some of us are, you know, this color, some of us are that color, some of us, no, we're just different shades of the same color. Some of us just have more melanin than others. And I want you to listen to me on this. Listen to me. Just because you don't have as much melanin as I do, don't you dare think God doesn't love you as much as he loves me because he gave me more. You learn to be satisfied with the little you have. <laughs> but there is another separation. There is actually a separation that we do have here in scripture. It's a real separation. The separations that we have, the racial categories that we have are artificial. They are not biblical in nature, nor are they genetic in nature. They are artificial based on people's hair and their features and their skin color and things like that. That is artificial. It's not real. We've been convinced that it is, but it's not real. But the Bible does talk about a real distinction and that is between Gentiles and Jews. 
Now, racial distinctions are things that we have made up to divide ourselves as individuals. And it's crazy. It's logically inconsistent. I read these forms and people, you know, you're like, what, are you, what, is your, what is your race? Human. <laughs> actually, actually, no, actually you're, you're African-American. How's that a race? Because one of them is a nationality. Amen? That's crazy talk. How is that my race? And how is it that I get to be an African-American, but if somebody comes over here from Egypt or Algeria or Morocco, they don't get to be African-American. Because the first part of my race is based on my continent. Well, no, not actually. Only the black part of your continent. Oh, wow, okay. So why use the name of the continent, right? And then the second part is based on your, you know, your, your nationality. How do you get race from nationality? We made this up. It's not real. This distinction is real. And we didn't make it up. God did. Yeah, we didn't make it up. God did. God did. God told us what was real. And it's in his book. That's what's real. And uh, absolutely, I love to think deeply. Here I am, 87 years old, and I've spent my entire life trying to find out by, by saying, is that so? When somebody says something, I kind of want to process it and find out if it is, in fact, the truth. Now, listen, folks, uh, I'm talking to the Bot Radio Network family now, and you know that it's life and then liberty and then the pursuit of happiness. We all want to be happy. We all want to be satisfied with the life, you know, that has been given to us by God. But it's life comes first, and then freedom or liberty, and then the pursuit of. Now, here is um, Ravi Zacharias. You know, he went home to be with the Lord just a short time back. But he was from India, and he lived his entire life serving the Lord, praising the Lord, and he was pro-life. Life, remember, then liberty, then the pursuit of. And believe me, life comes first. Now, I know a lot of people in America, regardless of the color of their skin, they say, well, I can, I can decide whether to kill my child or not. And now we can have a good discussion is what is a child? <laughs> you know, we're really talking about a human being. Well, when does a human being begin? At conception, absolutely, without a doubt, a scientific doubt, and certainly a Christian biblical doubt. Now, but there are a lot of people that are arguing and, and fuming in churches that are even, for heaven's sake, not getting that straight. Here's Ravi Zacharias. And he is in a college, which, by the way, is not a good place to be sometimes if you want truth on moral and spiritual and life-living uh, information. But he's at a college, a university, and a young man asks him a question, kind of puts a provocative question to him, kind of wants to challenge him. And here it is. I want you to enjoy it. Think carefully now as Ravi is speaking. Let's leave aside Christianity and historical examples for a second. All night you guys have been grappling with issues like morality and, you know, what is right, what is wrong, and meaning. But my question is simply, why are you so afraid of subjective moral reasoning? 
I mean, do you think that we're all just going to start raping and pillaging just because we don't have a book to tell us what to do? I mean, are you afraid of that? Like, I'm not, because that's not going to happen. And that, yeah, Nazis were bad, but there were Christian Nazis and there were atheist Nazis. So I don't see, what are you so afraid of? Do you lock your door at night? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> sure. <laughs> You know, I hear what you're saying. Sounds very cavalier, though. My goodness. If we weren't afraid of all of this, we would not be in a national debt. The Ch billions, China is secular. Uh, uh, sorry? China is secular. Sorry? China is secular. That's right. What about, what does that I mean? I mean, they're not raping and pillaging, and neither are we. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Oh, my. Have you read what happened during the Red Guards Rebellion? Have you read what happened during the Boxer Rebellion? Do you know who has killed more people in the 20th century than China and Russia? 60 million apiece? Wow. It makes the Holocaust seem tame. The 20th century became the bloodiest century in history. And the reason it became the bloodiest century in history I can see is you could just see the weapons of our warfare were piling up and there was no guiding principle to take us anywhere. Now, in a perfect world, yes, we don't need to be afraid. Have you seen what happens in our courts of law where people supposedly love each other and all that comes about in hate and vitriol and damage? I don't think the question is fairly stated as what have you, are you afraid of. I'm just saying it is basically unlivable. That's, I didn't conclude that. An atheist like Jean-Paul Sartre concluded it. We killed more people in the 20th century than the previous 19 put together. And your question is uh, what are we afraid of? The fact of the matter is if morality is purely subjective, then you have absolutely nothing from stopping anybody for being a subjective moralist to choose to just zing one through your forehead and say, that's my answer. You know, how, do you, how do you stop that? Obviously, you don't believe that's the way it should be. No, neither do I. So it's not a case of what am I afraid of. It's a case of the fact that if you're willing to say to me that uh, moral reasoning can be purely subjective, I just say to you, look out, you ain't seen nothing yet if everybody believed what you did. Do you know, uh, funny, interesting, when I was in, in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, Stalin eliminated 15 million of his own people. 15 million of his own people. And at the center for geopolitical strategy, you know, they didn't want to even name his name and so on. His daughter Svetlana, made the comment, it is quoted both by Malcolm Muggeridge in his writings and by historian Paul Johnson in modern times. Svetlana was standing by the bedside of her father before he died. She said the last thing he did was clench his fist over the heavens one more time, put his head back on the pillow, and he was gone. This is his daughter raising the question, whatever got into my father to have that kind of hatred and hostility? And when 15 million were killed of his own people, it is interesting that the faculty members and the general who chatted with me there, my wife will tell you, sat around the table, 
with tears in his eyes when he watched what had been done to his own country by his own leadership. So subjective morality would be very good if we all wanted to be nice people and live around each other without any uh, fear of each other. But the reason you lock your doors and the reason we have our police and the reason we have our military and the reason we have our law courts is because when subjective morality becomes totally subjectivized, this is what happens in society. So it's a great idea, but I hope nobody absorbs it. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, we hear a lot. Um, you probably feel the same way I do. Whatever the channel is, whatever the, the network is, the news network, so on and so forth, everybody has an idea. And everybody's trying to advance one thing or another, but they simply are not listening to the other person and feeling what the other person feels. And then there's an honest search for what is right and what is wrong. I'll tell you this, folks. I would not want to live where there is no order, where there is no uh, way of doing things. You can't play football without rules and regulations. You can't do anything. You can't drive your car in the streets of America if we don't have laws that say don't drive on the left side of the road. You must drive on the right side of the road. And that's what we have agreed is our law. The only way to enforce that, of course, is to have people employed to do so for our benefit, for our benefit. That's just the way it is. That's why a football a team, you know, you have both teams and so on and so forth. Then you have the referees or you have, you see, the people who are employed to make sure that things are going to be orderly and that things are going to be right and the things we've agreed upon. Now, here we are, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in all of this turmoil. And uh, my researching and reaching and thinking and everything, I encountered a Bishop Vincent Matthews of the Church of God in Christ. You know, their world headquarters are in Memphis, Tennessee. And the Church of God in Christ is, is um, and Bishop Matthews, and he is pro-life. I'm telling you, I can't wait to meet him. I want to have him on Bot Radio Network. I want him to have time to really uh, give his reasons and everything. But here is... Here is an initial thought from Bishop Vincent Matthews about the subject of life. Very personal in his case. Indeed, it's very personal to me when you talk about abortion and life. It is not just some academic topic or some current event topic, but it hits home. When my wife was pregnant with our son in the year 2000, the doctor came after a routine visit he came out and, and not ask or suggest, he demanded that we have an abortion. He said that he was mentally deficient. He said that this child is not gonna be normal and that we should have an abortion. And as a matter of fact, he also said that my wife was too old to have a child. We determined right then and there, my wife looked at me and I looked at her and we said, no, this is not gonna happen and this child is gonna be a blessing. Well, our son was born. And he's one of the most intelligent, most powerful children that we've ever had. My wife is in good health and had three children after that. And we did not hear what the doctor said. Even if he was mentally, uh, had Down syndrome or anything of that sort, he deserved to live. Do we now kill people 
because of their, uh, uh, their handicaps or because of their disabilities? Or do we allow them to live? My son, Achille is his name. You'll know that name one day because he's a brilliant man and God gave him a chance to live. And I pray that people will not listen to the doctor, but listen to God and allow their child to live. <laughs> oh, I want to meet his son, Achillea. I want to meet his son, Achillea. When I'm in Memphis, I don't know if that's where he lives, but, uh, um, you know, if you just look and you meet people and you find out what is it you believe, what do you think is right and what do you think is wrong, and then learn it from their perspective, and then you'll come to grips with it. Now, here is a lady from St. Louis who was one of the listeners that called in our line, and she grew up with less than a, <laughs> than a wonderful childhood. We'll let her tell the story. But, uh, but she grew up, and it was the Word of God and the preaching of the gospel that helped her, helped her through the turmoil. I just wanted to call and say what a blessing Bot Radio has been to me through the years. I did not grow up going to church, so it's just immeasurable the knowledge that I've been able to obtain through the various ministers, all of whom are just a blessing. It would be hard to say, you know, which one is a favorite. We live in the St. Louis area. For those of us that grew up in a less than perfect childhood, many good things, but lack of spiritual knowledge. There's some emotional baggage there, and some of the pastors just seem to have a gift for ministering to the emotions as well as the spirit, which, you know, we're both. So thank God that he covers all bases. Just appreciate everything that Bot Radio does, and thank God for you. Yeah, isn't that nice? All right, now here is one that's going to make you think, folks, with everything you're hearing. How could we live our lives without law enforcement, without policemen and sheriffs and those people who are hired? And this is their profession. But I'll tell you this, as it is in everything else, there are the bad apples. Did you hear me? There are the bad apples. And when you were a child, how many bad apples did it take to ruin the barrel? You know, if you were heard what I heard at school and when my parents, one bad apple spoils the barrel. Well, why do they keep a bad policeman around? Why do they keep a fellow um, employed uh, that obviously is wearing the uniform and the badge, but he clearly is not doing the job as it's supposed to be done? Well, now in looking deeply, I find that the policeman's union the union, boy, they, they lock arms. And if, if you belong to the union, then you're not going to ever be fired. I don't care what you do. And as a matter of fact, if, if what you do is so egregious uh, that you finally are fired, you just go across to another town and get a job. And, um, and, and you know what I found out, folks? The same thing happens with the teachers' union. And that's for another day, but I'll tell you this, you look deeply into that when you've got a bad teacher and you've got a little first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade youngster in a classroom with a bad teacher, I'm telling you that's costing that child more than we could even think about. And yet, the teacher's union 
And I can tell you that for a fact. The teachers' union, they'll say, nope, you can't fire. And I mean to tell you if it gets so bad, finally, there is a way. Then they'll just go across some other town, some other district, and keep going. That's not good for people. It's not good for our children. And when you have that in law enforcement with policemen or when you have that with teachers, or we could say preachers, for heaven's sake, how many preachers that are bad apples that really get a mess? So you've got to have things that mean something. Now, here is a gentleman who is a deputy sheriff, and let's hear what he says. Hi, my name is Joe. I'm a deputy sheriff, and I just really appreciate the testimonies and the preaching on Bot Radio Network. Oftentimes, I have a captive audience, if you will, and uh, we get to listen to Chip Ingram and and different ones, and I'm able to share the gospel and share Bot Radio Network with the listeners I get to give a ride to. Yeah. Well, time goes by so quickly. I want you to hear a song now in closing that is the meaning of all of it. God gave you a life, and you have self-respect because you respect the life that God gave you. And then you have respect for somebody else. Did you hear me say that? Uh, it isn't to be selfish. It's to be self-respect and then help somebody and help somebody. Otherwise, what's the purpose? Listen to this song. If I can help somebody as I go along, if I can cheer a stranger with a word or a song, if I can show some traveler that he's going wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. Okay, well, well, we're going to use that whole song on another program. But all right, now listen quickly. The listener comment line is one eight hundred three four five. 2621 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from our listening audience. This is Dick Bott, uh, without my son this week, by the way. I uh, hope he's back next week uh, with this chapter of the Kilmeade Story, and we'll see you later. <laughs>